Beyond the Ball, fueling your faith and family through sport. Welcome to the Beyond the Ball podcast with Coach Eric Klump and Coach Justin Gersten. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Beyond the Ball. Be sure to check out our other coaching-focused podcasts, including the CoachMaze.com podcast, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Players Court, and Bleachers and Boards. We're also building our stable of NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Cavalier Central, Grizz and Grind, Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Blazing the Path, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's, NBA Breakdown, Spanning the Spurs, and the LA Hoops Pod. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. All right, Coach Klump, Beyond the Ball podcast. We are back to have another great conversation tonight. I'm super excited. How you doing? I'm doing very well. Uh, leading up to this big Thanksgiving week coming up here, it's my personal favorite holiday. So um, I don't know. Where does it rank on yours? Uh, Thanksgiving's right up there. I would say it's in my top three for sure. Um, I think just getting together with family probably pushes it towards a number one. It's really hard to argue with really good food, um, really good opportunities mm-hmm. to spend time with all my family and from both sides. And uh, I would say it's in the top. What's your favorite food for Thanksgiving? What do you What do you oh, eat? I know you well, have a pretty strict diet, so you yeah, you know what? I, I come off the tra- I come off that train for this special day. <laughs> um, so my mom takes potatoes and she cuts them up and she puts them inside with the turkey in her huge turkey baster. Okay, and they are amazing. So shout out to uh, my mom Linda for uh, that. I always ask her if she's going to be doing that. And she says, of course, we'll get the squirt <laughs> potatoes in there for you. <laughs> so that's where I stand on that. What about you? Uh, I'm a stuffing guy, personally, a lot of carbs. I love it. But um, my mom, actually, my mom loves to make stuffing with like sausage and stuff in it, mm-hmm. which is so delicious. But then when I go to my wife's family's party, uh, my mother-in-law makes her stuffing with like water chestnuts and carrots with no meat in it. And surprisingly, it's just as delicious. So I'm all in on stuffing. You name it, I eat it. Uh, you really can't go wrong with a with a Thanksgiving stuffing. So, All right, yeah, I'm and super then two, excited. two different houses, two different approaches to stuffing for you. That that's got to be great. <laughs> that's great. I love it. We usually get about three Thanksgiving dinners in for the holidays, so it is definitely right up there. I'm talking myself in. It might be number one. Other than Christmas, just because mm-hmm. I have the four kids, Christmas yeah. morning is a hard one to beat for my family. So yeah, for sure, a so, lot of excitement. Um, yeah. So what about? Let's get right into it. We got a great. Um, couple guests tonight. So uh, what about a coaching nugget? Even though our season is on delay right now, which we'll get into that maybe next podcast, um, what, what kind of coaching nuggets are you bringing into your season when we eventually get it going? All you right, got so, one for us? Yeah, for sure. And, and for all of our listeners out there, I'm a, I constantly am watching and breaking down. And one of the things that I've noticed over the years is that very few times um, do officials call off-ball screen fouls. They love to call the big guy coming up to set that ball screen and rolling, but very few times do we see um, a screen off the ball called as a foul. But when I'm watching those screens, especially when it comes to my teams, 
Um, it, there's a lot to be desired. And one simple thing to tell your players when they're out there is when you're setting a screen, you don't have to hurry. But what you got to make sure is you all you want your butt facing the way that you want your teammate to go. It's a very important and very small little teaching tool that you can use that's very effective in coaching your kids up on how to jump stop, get wide, and get your butt facing where you want that teammate to go. So that's my little coaching nugget for the day. Well, that's so great. That's great. I think I'm going to add on to that, maybe not from a tactical side, um, but just from a you know, approach or a mentality side is we are in a bit of a delay. We're going to be having some Zoom calls with our team. And one of the things that we're going to talk about is from lead them up from some of our guys that, you know, have been on our pod yeah. talking lead them up. We're going to, we've been talking about, you know, staying ready. One of my favorite activities is the toaster. So just this mindset that we're always ready for, whatever situation comes. So even though we're not necessarily playing right now or practicing, um, we're ready to practice, staying ready, staying alert, um, and then focusing on the details while we're in our preparation. It's really easy sometimes to go out there and train and do your preseason stuff and get lost, um, you know, with, with not having an end goal in sight. It's very hard to commit to the process, as they say. Um, and so we're just having that conversation about, you know, not just doing it on the basketball court either, but paying attention to little details every day. So like when you get up from class, make sure you push your chair in. You know, if you're walking down the hallway and enter a room, maybe hold the door open for somebody and just trying to commit to those little details every single time. Because if you live that way in your normal life, you're probably going to practice that way mm-hmm. when the season rolls around. And so maybe that's just my little coaching nugget for coaches and or athletes that are listening to just, you know, your, your standard should be your standard. How you do anything is how you should do everything. And um, just trying to live that out every day. So yeah, building those championship habits in life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that's my little nugget. All right. Thanks for sharing, Coach. Much appreciated that. Absolutely. Can you drop a little uh, religious knowledge on us tonight? Yeah, What's on go, your heart yeah, this week? Let's go with uh, Proverbs 16.3. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. And we never know when that's going to happen. Today, tomorrow, um, four years from now. God calls us to build up on these traits like um, integrity, like you were just talking about, and uh, being trustworthy and having great character and to serve others and to seek his guidance um, throughout our life. It might not always be considered as, as a success or a win, especially in our culture's eyes, but it's important to understand that success will result from our commitment to our daily actions, you know, just like you hit on, and and to be centered around the Lord with those actions and to be faithful in his ways and in his word. So that's where we go. And I, I love that it connected to your little message earlier. So yeah, I, I think that's such a great one. We are constantly having those conversations. I, I mean, I always relate it back to my children um, because I think part of my job as a father is to just give them that godly guidance and that godly advice that they're not necessarily in this to impress other people. Right. You know, they're in this to follow their path and to commit to a um a, a spiritual way of living that honors that honors God. So I love it, coach. Um great knowledge tonight. I'm excited though to get to our guests. So you want to jump right into that? Let's do it. All right. We are joined tonight by 
or with Coach Mick and Melissa Kaburka coaching married coaching tandem um, mm. that we have a little bit of experience. Let's see how with. they find rhythm. Yeah, I'll see how they find. Uh, they've had some some life altering changes in the last little bit with a new baby being born. So mm-hmm. I can't wait to see how they find some rhythm too. So we're gonna break, and when we come back, we'll talk to Coach Kaburkas. Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. All right, guys, welcome back to the Beyond the Ball podcast. Uh, we're joined tonight by a coaching couple, um, Melissa and Mick Kaburka. Guys, how are you doing? Doing great, Justin. Appreciate being here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. Coach Clumpy, why don't you get us started? All right. Um, you know, back in the spring when we first shut down with COVID, uh, we were able to, to get a couple Zoom calls with with Coach uh, Mick and, and Melissa. And, you know, thank God that that was going on because it was really a timeful thing. You know, reading through their, their bios, it said, you know, they planted their roots and started here in Western New York. Mick, did you, did you always believe that you would make it back here to start, you know, working with basketballs that was all your always your calling uh not at all <laughs> um i i knew I, well, I was pretty certain that i would end up back in buffalo um like many people feel pretty strong ties to the place and um definitely feel it's a, a great home um but actually my first year back home after playing in college i I wasn't involved in basketball at all. I'm not sure if I even played in a pickup league anywhere. Um, my dad happened to see an ad in the paper for uh, an assistant job at Hilbert, and he showed it to me. And um, you know, I, <laughs> this is funny. Didn't have much else going on, so I checked it out and ended up uh, working there, uh, getting my start in coaching, and spent seven years as an assistant. It's it's pretty crazy too, right? Because we've talked to a ton of guests and they've all kind of said the same thing that their path to coaching it was never necessarily something that was obvious to them. Um, sometimes they just fall right into it. Melissa, kind of the same thing for you or did you kind of always know you wanted to coach? No, very similar. I came home my first year out of Geneseo and uh, my, my alma mater, Mount Mercy, asked if I would help out coaching their summer league. Uh, team and it just kind of snowballed from there um, into uh, I ended up coaching uh, soccer and lacrosse um, at Mercy as well and I was a a grad assistant uh, just working in the athletic department at Hilbert. Um, Mick wasn't there at the time but I I was at Hilbert just working um, in sports information and um, helping out at Mercy and then I got a, a message on Facebook from Mick's sister actually. Uh, who said, you know, my brother's looking 
for uh, to get, get the girls' side of the Buffalo Titans started? Would you be interested in, in helping him out? Um, and so I, I said yes, and that was actually my first head coaching job was a maybe U13, U14 team. And a, okay. you know that just ended up turning into getting getting the job at Hilbert and, and making it my career now. So you both were at Hilbert, but at different times? Correct. We were never there at the same time. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> So, so yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead, coach. I was just—I just wanted to ask Mick about his time at Lafayette and what he learned about um, basketball at that level in the Patriot League. Uh, it was, I learned a lot. Um, it was pretty eye-opening uh, coming from from high school at uh, at Bishop Timon. Um, just different in in a lot of ways. The the level of intensity, the expectations um, from the coaching staff. Um, but then also just sort of, I guess my eyes were opened to the type of player I could actually be. Um, and that, that kind of, that's really my inspiration for, for getting the Titans started. Um, in high school, I never took a shot beyond the free throw line. You know, I'm, I'm six ten, and I was stuck inside and told to stay there. And that was pretty much what I did. Um, but then just through the course of workouts at Lafayette, um, having to develop, you know, the ability to dribble a little bit. And then we did tons of shooting drills all the time. Um, and that was just, that just helped me grow, uh, you know, leaps and bounds. And by the time I graduated, I was you know, regularly shooting threes. And that was probably the part of my game that, uh, stood out the most, so, Mick, during your time there, is there any one instance or one game that kind of sticks out for you as, like, the the memory, or is it kind of a collective experience? Because I know you played – did you play in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, we did twice uh, my first two years. Okay. Um, so those teams – I guess to answer your question, is kind of a collective um, memory because those first two years, obviously, winning the championship and playing in the, in the tournament – um, you can't really top that, but we were such a strong veteran team that I was more of a role player, um, which was great for me at that time. Um, getting my, you know, five minutes a game as a freshman or whatever, it was, it, it, it was meaningful to give one of our top guys a sub, you know, first half, second half I was involved. Um, but it was still small minutes. Um, and then by the time, um, I was a senior, uh, then by then I was starting, so obviously a lot more opportunity to play and and create some you know individual memories on the floor. But altogether, um, from start to finish, just lots to lots to remember. Um, good experiences for sure. Yeah, Melissa, how about you? I mean, I we we were reading up on you guys a little bit and saw that you played at Geneseo as well, which is always a very strong team in the SUNYAC. What was your experience like while you were there? When I got there, it was Coach Hemmer's third season, second or third season there. And so he was in the process of rebuilding. And um, it, it, was, uh, it was an opportunity for me to, to play right away as a freshman and to, to be a part of, you know, his vision. And, you know, when I think back, I, I mean, I, I remember – a lot of wins. I remember winning the SUNYAC championship, um, you know, and, and being able to play in the NCAA tournament. 
just having some, some awesome teammates. But I think the one thing that really sticks out is being able to play for Coach Hemmer, who's now at Canisius, uh, Canisius College. He he had had a vision for the program and just got us all to buy into it. Um, and I think I think everyone who played for him would say that they would have, have ran through a wall for him because of what he did for us in the program. So, Melissa, um, that was where I wanted to go for sure. As, with your time at St. John Fisher now um, at the collegiate level of coaching there, you, you would consider him one of your big mentors. Um how much did you take from him to St. John Fisher and how much did you want to like build on or create your own little um, spin of what you, you believed where you could get your program to? Well, when I first started, I started at Hilbert College as a head coach there and having not had any assistant coaching experience at the college level, I pretty much was taking everything I did as a player um, from, from Hemmer and I, mean, I, I was trying to carbon copy it at Hilbert. And I learned very quickly that I, was, I wasn't I was coaching my teammates. I wasn't coaching myself. It, it was a different group. So uh, I had to slowly start to find what worked and what didn't work and, and put my own spin on it. Uh, now that I'm you know, at St. John Fisher, again, it's a different group, um, more similar to who I played with. And now I'm, I'm recruiting you know, more similar to the, the type of players um, that I want that I think not necessarily fit our system, but are able to play at the level I want them to. But Coach Hammer has been a huge piece of that. And and now at St. John Fisher, my athletic director, uh, Bob Ward, coached for, for a very long time. And he's kind of taken me under his wing and helped me form my own, my own identity and direction for the team. And Melissa, I'd like to jump in with that because we did a call with the Buffalo Titans a couple of weeks ago. And Bob just seems like an incredible wealth of knowledge um, you know, he was not definitely not trying to name drop at all, but you know, when you have as much experience as Bob has, um, what has that been like? What are some of the main things that he's kind of tried to communicate with you and, and given you a, a pause for reflection on? You know, he, the, the best part about Bob is he doesn't want to tell me what to do, but he wants to make sure that I have all the information that I can. And it's been a great opportunity for me just to talk basketball. And as opposed to being in my office, bouncing ideas off, you know, my assistant coaches who, you know, up till now, up till this past season, they've always played for me or played with me at Geneseo. Um, and so it was just, give, he gives me a different perspective uh, from his experiences and from coaching the, the men's game. You know, we kind of are learning from each other in terms of how, how different the two games are. A lot can go together, but the, the differences uh, are, are very eye-opening in, in our conversations. So, Mick, do you find you have that same conversation with Melissa right now, dealing with, like, the Buffalo Titans and her with at St. John Fisher, kind of comparing to where the guys' game and the girls' game can differ and where, where there's a lot of similarities or where the game is moving forward in, like, 2020 and beyond? Yeah, we talk about that stuff a lot. Um, as you can imagine, a lot of our conversations are about basketball. Um, and since having Melissa with the Titans, I've shifted more towards coaching the girls um, just from one, getting the chance to coach with Melissa, but also getting the, or building some of the relationships with those players uh, just from being around them. I've, I've coached them a little bit more than I have the boys the past few years. Um, so we talk about that difference and, um, you know, 
the way the way the games played, uh, the attitudes of the players, um, and you know, that's with with the Titans teams and with with her Fisher teams. Um, I, I would say I, I used to maybe think, um, having not seen many women's games too often, um, it would stand out to me just the differences. But being around it more. Uh, it's become much more normal and, and familiar, and I, I really do enjoy it a lot. Um, but at the, on the flip side, um, say the, the Fisher men's team is playing after the women, and these guys come out there, and even though they're maybe 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, six is their tallest guy, they look like giants, and when they start jumping, everybody's jumping and leaping. It looks like they're, like they're monsters in comparison. Um, when you know, really, I've I've seen big, seen bigger, but just the mm-hmm. comparison right, right. after a while, um, so that kind of helps, I think, highlight the the athleticism that guys at Division three do have. Yeah, we've actually Coach Clump and I have actually coached some guys that have played at Fisher um, over the last decade or so, and we would say the same thing, right, yeah. Eric? That yes, some of the guys that we've that we've coached that have been at Fisher are just some of the best athletes that we've had at our schools or on our club teams. So just an amazing um, stretch of athletes there. Coach Melissa, um, I wanted to follow up with you. What do you see as the difference? Um, and do you approach it differently, like from when the time you're in the gym with your Fisher girls or versus your Buffalo Titan girls. I mean, I appreciate you guys giving me the chance to coach with you with the Titans because we've done some clinics with the girls over the last couple of weeks. And it's just been super eye opening for me. I mean, I've coached girls a little bit, but not at the high school level. And it was just an amazing experience to see the different style. But I want to get your take on that, Melissa. What do you approach it differently or do you just kind of attack it with the same mentality? For the most part, I would say it's the same mentality coaching my Fisher team and, and coaching the, the Titans teams. Um, and part of that is because I, I tend to have older girls for the Titans. And my goal is to you know push them as best I can and, and create that college experience um, if, if that's what they're looking for. Um, you know, getting with, with uh, the Titans, we're only in the gym two, three days a week of practices as opposed to six days a week. You know, so there's there's that difference. But you know, in, in working the clinics with, with the boys the last couple of weeks, you know, it, it reiterates to me why I enjoy coaching the girls. And um, I would say it, it's because of, you know, somewhat of, of a, a, a different athleticism um, and, and more of a, an understanding of, of the game and team concepts. And the reason why I, I say that is I, I, boys and men can get away sometimes with their athleticism and not necessarily being as fundamentally sound. If you can jump over people um, or, or play a, a off the floor, you're going to be able to make up for maybe not being the best ball handler or the best shooter. Um, where on, on the, the women's side, you know, if, if you have athleticism, that's great. But at the same time, you're, you're, you're not at my level, you're not playing that much higher off the ground than the next person. And so having to rely on your teammates and not a ton of one-on-one um, and, and part of that, I, I wish my players were a little better with one-on-one and had that instinct. But I think also that comes from with what, uh, you know, kids, kids do, what, what they, when they go and play, what are they doing? Boys will get in a group and, you know, they'll line up and play one-on-one. You know, girls are probably more rebounding and shooting for, with each other. They're, you don't see them going out and just playing one-on-one as much as the guys. 
Yeah, Melissa, I, I, I was at the BCANY clinic, which Justin held uh, over last summer, and I saw you present um, on closeouts and jumping to the ball and defensively. Usually at this time in the pod, I ask the coaches, you know, if I walked into the gym, what's something that I'm definitely going to see your teams practicing every single day? Um, so um, is, it, is it those closeouts? Is it that one-on-one defense? What are your girls doing in practice every single day? Yeah. From my, my conversations with Bob and talking about how I can make my players better um, in that, um, you know, one, one area is one-on-one, both offensively and defensively. So in some way, every day we play one-on-one. We might limit the dribbles. We might, you know, tell them where they have to start offensively or where the closeout's coming from defensively. But, yeah, I, I think um, because we play 99% man de- defense, that one-on-one is, is extremely important, both sides of the ball. Um, but as a whole, we put a lot of emphasis on our defense. And, and so you'll see us doing shell every day as well. Coach, that's so good. Um, I'm going to take this in maybe a little bit di- different direction. We can bump back to that if we want. But um, you guys have, you know, do, being the coaching tandem, just recently had a little guy too. What What has that been like in terms of making adjustments? I know I have four for children of my own at various ages, I know it can be a handful. So what have been some of the biggest things for maybe some coaches out there that are trying to find a rhythm to coaching and family that you guys have kind of been through? Well, definitely early. Um, and especially with everything going on, you know, we, we maybe have been able to ease our way into this. Um, you know, when, when my team was practicing this first semester, we were only going three days a week um, as opposed to the normal six. So I, I think we're, we're, we're in a, a spot where we're learning as we go. Um, but at least for me, my, my priorities have completely changed um, from, from a year ago where any free time I had, I, I was going to, you know, I'm putting film on and watching other teams or I'm going through our synergy database and just watching other games and other coaches um, to get ideas from where now I, I might have that on in the background, but no one's in my arms. Um, and, and he's definitely become come first priority. Yeah, yeah, Nick, what about you? Any any stark changes that you see or just kind of figuring it out? I mean, with, with all the negative, obviously that's that's been going on the past few months. Uh, the one positive is all the time that it's given given us to um, you know be together throughout throughout Melissa's pregnancy and then um, and then after Nolan was born, we just have so much time together and then with him um i not many people get to experience that i don't think it's been uh something to to be thankful for in that regard um if you're looking for looking for the positive during these times that's definitely been one for us now i know it's going to be a little bit different with with the the young one at home but um you know, after tough games, how, how does that conversation come when you come walking through the door? Maybe Melissa or Mick had a, had a situation where we lost a tough one. How do you find balance and rhythm um, through conversation when, when those situations come about? Yeah, and I think I'm going to jump in before they go. I think, Eric, that's such a great question. I can't wait to hear this answer because I come home to a wife that does not coach. And so she really doesn't want to hear anything about it, except, yeah, you know, she gives a, she lends an ear to listen, but I can't imagine with two coaches that, you know, you don't just want to give feedback right away. So yeah, how do you guys handle that? That's a great question. You want to go first, Melissa? 
I was going to say you could, but I'll, I'll take it. Uh, I'll say my my first season coaching at Hilbert, um, Mick was by far, even though he wasn't an assistant, he was my right-hand man um, just because of sort of a, a lack of an assistant who was there all the time and just because of, of how much I trusted Mick's opinion. And he he dealt with a lot of me that first year after losses. You know, we, we think we were like 11 and 14 that year, so 14 losses he had to hear from from me. And I think I can say that I, I've grown up a little bit in, hand, um, in handling those losses as a coach better, um, partially because, I, you know, understanding that really having that mentality of, you know, next game, we learn from this one, but we're, you know, we're not going to dwell on it. But at the same time, as, you know, my relationship with, with Mick is the most important relationship I have. And so as opposed to getting, you know, being upset and angry when I walk, walk back, you know, back in the house, it, you know, thankful that I get to be with him. But I, I would say I, I'm, at the point now where we, we can, you know, usually I need a couple minutes, but we, we can have that conversation. And Mick does a great job of, of knowing when he should, you know, tell me what he saw and when he mm-hmm. just needs to listen. Um, and it, he's been extremely helpful with helping me mature and grow with that, but also giving me ideas because he, he sees a lot of things from the stands that I don't see on the sideline. And, and it's, you know, it, it's been extremely helpful for our, for our team and for me to grow. So, Go ahead, Mick. So I don't know if you guys have been assistant coaches um, previously in your careers, but it's it's always easy to have the answers from the assistant's chair versus moving yeah. over into the head coach's chair. And I, I know that for sure. Um, so even if I do see things or have opinions or or something like that, I know it, it's it's not like a, uh, and I told you so type of thing. It, um, d- definitely don't want it to come off that way. But also, I I have no ability to to test my opinion in the game. I'm not the one out there putting it on the line. Um, so I've I have my thoughts and and on some things, but usually I try to <laughs> assess the situation after the game. <laughs> right. Um, but like Mosa said, a little little bit of time to cool off, depending how it went. Um, and then just sort of, you know, see see where it goes, see what what um, feedback she may be looking for or not, and may come up in a day or two afterwards, or maybe maybe for the next time they play an opponent. But um, just try not to to butt in or act like a know it all. Yeah, I I think that would be the challenging part for me too. If my wife was super into basketball. Um, would be having those conversations as well. So what I get when I come home um, is she asks, you know, did, did we play hard? You know, did did you coach them up? Did, were you concerned with, you know, their their emotions after the game? And so more of that transformational, that art of coaching piece, not necessarily the strategy because she wouldn't know, you know, uh, a ball screen coverage from a different ball screen coverage. So that's so good. That's so good. So, Mick, I want to uh, jump in. Buffalo Titans is something that I've had the pleasure um, to be involved with you and Melissa and doing. Where did Buffalo Titans come about? Why did you guys get into, you know, club basketball? Um, so it was back when I was coaching at Hilbert. Um, don't remember exactly what year it was. I said I was there for seven years, so it could have been maybe year six or seven. Um you know, after a game, uh, the other coaches and myself were at 
head coach's house, um, sort of, you know, going over the game and talking and conversation led to all these different possibilities that, that, um, that we could do to help develop basketball in the area. So eventually, um, you know, being an assistant at division three takes up a lot of time for very little money. And I had to decide whether or not I wanted to do that or survive. So I had to leave uh, coaching at Hilbert, but sort of running with that idea that we had talked about a while ago, a friend of mine who I had coached with for a year at Hilbert, we decided we were just going to try to do some things. Um, So we started with, it was just a a men's league. Uh, Like on a Monday night, we had maybe 10 or 12 teams and ran a men's league. Then the following year, Actually, a family that I grew up next to as a kid, their their son was in high school, and somehow we connected, and they mentioned what they were that he was a basketball player and and looking to to play in the spring and summer. So we sort of built our first team around that uh, around that guy, that connection that I had from you know my neighbors as a kid. Um, so after you get into it that first year. You know, you get to pick your name, pick your logo, and get the uniforms and all that. It, it gets pretty fun. Um, and then we just started to to grow year after year. So I think we went from maybe one team our first year to three, up to five. And then we started adding girls. Before you know it, we're, we're at like 20 to 22 teams a year. Um, and it's it's been it's been awesome. Um you know, it's not that it's not the day-to-day experience that you get with a scholastic team, but I th- there's so much freedom in what you want to do, and it's not easy to to get there because the struggle is finding the gyms to go to, um, coming up with a reasonable amount to charge people to cover those gyms, and um, just so many things like that that limit limit your ideas but once you've you know made some connections and have a place to go then you can start building on those ideas so um individual training uh the different clinics and camps that we've run over the years um and and start trying to expand on some some of our latest ideas um like with the the zoom calls that we're doing now part of a a membership area on our website um where so for the for the coach calls we have a coaches area where you know we're posting uh blog posts on coaching philosophy leadership all different aspects uh sharing plays sharing workout ideas and then doing these zoom calls monthly with with different guests hopefully taking advantage of our connections to you know just get together and and like we all try to do share share what we know, share the game. Um, so we're, we're at a point now where we've got a lot of ideas, a lot of opportunities. And from 10, 11 years ago, when we first started to, to now, it's been um, a lot of a lot of change, a lot of struggle to get there. But it's it's exciting where we're at right now. Very happy. 
So, Mick, when you first set out, was that the original, like, mission statement? Or were you just kind of like, say, let's get some teams together, allow kids to have a little bit more different avenues to play? we got a couple facilities. Hey, let's give them some opportunities. Or was the mission statement of, of growing, like, an, an organized, um, you know, grassroots place here in Western New York? The, the most important aspect of it to us was knowing that we were – experienced as players and experienced as coaches. Um, I I would say there's absolutely nothing wrong with the dad who volunteers his time or works with his kid, but there is a difference between, between that guy and somebody who has basically just more experience, um, the, the talent and experience that go along with that. Um, so we, we envisioned building a, uh, a cast of those type of coaches that could share share the knowledge you don't necessarily get as a player until you reach those higher levels with kids when they were younger. And using myself as an example, again, the fact that, like I said, I was strictly an inside player, didn't find out all these different things I was able to do until I got to college. Right. Makes me think, you know, if, what if I had been doing this stuff earlier on, what you know, what, how much better could I have gotten? Maybe no better at all, because I know, <laughs> I do know my limitations, but, um, just the opportunity I think is what we were talking about with, with the most passion is kids don't, don't necessarily get that opportunity to learn from somebody who's been at a higher level. Um, they may go to a summer camp, um, but it's just not the same. So we were trying to right. bring, make that more accessible to, to kids at the younger ages. So Melissa, what is your impression, Ben? Because I know in the short little time that I've been involved, I have just really um, impressed with the girls' side of the game. And obviously that you are, you know, you see what from the seat that you sit in, right? I've only coached boys. That's all I kind of know. But when I came into your group, I the amount of opportunity you give to young girls is just incredible, I think. So how what's your impression on Titans and how you guys have developed? Well, when I when I was first asked to be a part of the Titans again, it was Mick's sister who reached out to me. I didn't know Mick at the time. And so Mick and I met at a, a Canisius um, high school game, time in, in Canisius. And he was kind of filling me in on what he was envisioning this program to be. And, you know, when I was first asked, I'm thinking, oh, this is, we're going to get the best players that we can find from everywhere. We're going to be traveling all over the place. This is going to be great. And uh, his, his vision was different from that. And it's actually what has made me want to say yes and, and get on board. And it, his, his idea was he wanted to, like he said, get, get best coaching he could for anybody, not just the best players in the area. Let's coach the kid who wants to make his JV team. Let's coach the younger kids who are looking for something to do um, and, and give them that opportunity at an affordable, um, you know, make it affordable for everybody, not just the, the, the wealthiest or, you know, not just the highest level players. And so that was that was the mission from the start. Um, and that's what, again, made me say, yeah, let's, let's do it. And, um, you know, my, my first year I, w- I was coaching a, a group of, of JV players who all played at the same high school. And it, it was a, a huge struggle, but it, I just loved being in the gym and we were able to grow from there. And, and I think the, the families that we've had be a part of our program and, and the buy-in to how we do things, you know, we're not, we're not going from city to city. 
trying to get the best players. We're going to take the players who, who want to get better um, and who are okay with being pushed, and we're going to give them everything we have. Um, and the one beautiful thing about the Titans for me is that, you know, I coach from October 15th to sometime in March, and then my season's over, um, and I can't work with my players. I can't do anything outside of those dates because of Division Three rules. So the Titans have been an awesome opportunity for me to try new things as a coach, um, to, to interact and just to grow as a coach because, you know, I'm expecting my players to put in a great offseason. So to me, the Titans has been my offseason. So I, I try to give it that, that same sort of, of feel so I can grow as a coach. So, Melissa, if I have a, a 12-year-old daughter or a 12-year-old son, how does one get involved with the Tysons, Titans? Is it a tryout? Do I go to the website? Uh, tell the listeners out there how they can um, get their son or daughter involved in the Titans. Yep. So, definitely going to buffalotitans.com, uh, and that will have basically everything that we have going on. You know, our, our teams are based on tryouts, um, but we also have, you know, camps and clinics, um, individual small group workouts. You know, we, we have a, a whole whole um, bunch of different ways to, to get involved and have a basketball in your hands. Um, but for our travel teams, yeah, we, we have tryouts and, and normally those tryouts are in the fall. But we're trying to stay um, as in line with the, the New York State rules as we can. Um, and so we're not we're not going to be having those until we're able to play live uh, and all of that. Mm-hmm. So non-COVID year, of course. Correct. Yes. <laughs> I'll just jump in real quick, Eric, and I'll say I, it's probably been one of the best decisions I've made as a coach as well. Like Melissa, you just said, being able to coach a different level of kid than like normally I just get to coach high school boys, you know, in Akron, this has been a great opportunity for me too to to get outside of my comfort zone. Um, and honestly, with three daughters, it's it's really we don't have a strong women's program at our high school um, and not a lot for our girls locally here in the community. So just having the opportunity to bring them to the workouts and have them see other girls that are their age, that are really getting after it and invested in, in basketball has just been uh, a blessing for, for my family and for my girls. So I appreciate you guys. Um, well, Justin, like, like I said, part of, part of our vision was to build a, a roster of, of good coaches that, that we could trust and could offer something to these players. And there, there've been years where I coached three teams. Um, yeah. and that, that was, that was hard, but I know that I, to do what we want to do, I can't, I can't coach everybody. Right. Um, and I need to trust and rely on people like you, like uh, a Jake Koo who's been helping us out and has, two daughters and a son that play for us. Um, and you guys are all great people. And uh, one of the, another one of the most rewarding parts of this is building that, that roster of, of people that work with us. Um, not just, you know, coaching and, and, and that part of it, but the, the character of the people that we have with us is just as important um, to, to Melissa and I is what, for what we're putting out there representing the Titans as well. And, yeah. and if, if I just add that the the ability that we've had to allow current players or former players of mine to get into coaching has also been really neat. You know, there was a player, yeah. a men's player when I was at Hilbert, who he was a freshman 
um, and he didn't play much, but there was just something about him in terms of his, he was just such a nice guy, clearly had great basketball IQ. And so I, I mentioned him to Mick and, you know, Mick ended up meeting him um, and he's been coaching with us for three or four years now and he just loves it. Um, and then, you know, I've been able to have some former players of mine get into coaching for the first time by, by, by coaching with the Titans. Um, and so, you know, as much as it is about the players' growth, it's been an awesome opportunity to, to develop leadership and skills and to just give opportunities to, to other people to get involved with the best job they're in. Yeah, I think that, I, and just to maybe close up on this, I just think that seeing how many moms and dads bring their kids back to your program year in and year out. There's a lot of other programs in Western New York that are really well run and do a great job as well. I'm not, we're not necessarily saying they do a bad job, but I think you guys, um, it's a testament to you guys, how many people come back year after year, like you said, because we're not necessarily always traveling to the biggest tournaments and, you know, playing the highest level of competition that you can, you know, it's, it's about giving the kids such a quality experience. It's so good. I like it. I like it. Coach Klump, you want to add something? Yeah, I wanted to. I, I love asking this question because I know Justin and I have a lot of conversations off air about it. Um, let's let's start with Melissa. Like, um, what do you think has changed the most um, in maybe your coaching since you started? Um, like for me, when I first started coaching, I, w- I was a big, okay, control the ball, you know, let's get into our sets, let's get the best shot. And now over my time, I've I've really learn to you know trust the players more race the ball up get them into dominoes get them into long closeouts and i you know if it was 15 years ago i would have never imagined myself changing but um so that's what i wanted to ask melissa uh, was there something about the game that you you think that you've changed from when you started definitely and similar to you uh, i definitely was a offensively thinking set plays and being organized you know, take the chaos out of it for the players and, and let them feel comfortable where I, I've gotten to the point where, you know, transition basketball is probably the most fun basketball to play and the most difficult to scout. Um, and when you're playing transition, you know, with your focus on transition and you're taking care of the ball, you're going to take a lot more shots than the other team. Um, and so I, I've definitely gone from being more of a, you know, let's be, let's get into our set. Let's, you know, know what we're doing that way. Um, to let's play more of a, a fast-paced, up-tempo um, um, t- type style. What do you about you, Mick? Um, yeah, I, I'm taking your question as um, what's changed from when I was a player yeah. to to now as a coach. And what I see is just the difference in the way – the difference in, I guess, knowledge and both knowledge and expectations that the kids have today. Um, I think in ways that – like the game is just so much more accessible to them. They can dive into as much as they want to um, and find, find different crazy drills or moves to work on. And you'll find young kids, young, young kids with um, who just look incredible um, by themselves out there shooting or doing, doing these moves that they've been working on nonstop. Um, And it's, I think it's great that kids at that age can get into it like that. And the older kids too. Um, what I see with them is their expectations. Um, in that, so many kids believe that they that they're going to get to have a, a college playing opportunity. I, I think of myself, and maybe I'm 
exaggerating what it was like so many years ago, but I remember being sort of wide-eyed and not knowing what was going on or what to expect. And every, almost every time I went into a new gym, feeling that tension and pressure of having to you know, prove myself or, or, or knowing that the competition out here is really, really good. And I think I, I just can't picture myself with the outlook that a lot of kids have of um, just being able to walk in anywhere and know, and think that you're going to be able to, to get a college opportunity. It, it's very, it's very difficult to get there. And the expectations in college are, are, are a lot. Um, I just find it amazing how many, how many people think that they're going to make it that far, which is great to have that confidence. Not, I guess not to put it in a negative light. Um, but just thinking of myself back then, <laughs> right. um, it's, I find that different and, and amazing in a way. So coach, I'm going to kind of piggyback on that then. Um, and this is for either of you or Melissa that Mick, you were just talking about confidence versus maybe understanding what your, your skill set actually is. Um, and either one of you can answer maybe Melissa, if you want to jump in, what do you, how do you approach that with your teams, whether they are with the Titans, you know, which is more club where those kids are like trying to get to that level versus coaching, say at St. John Fisher, where your girls have made it. Um, how do you approach confidence? Like what role do you see at playing? How do you try to build it with your girls? Um, I just think that that confidence piece is so important to kids, but having that like realistic conversation as well, that it's just not going to automatically happen. There's got to be a balance in there, I would think. Right. Right. Well, well, to start with confidence, my, my thought has always been that confidence comes from repetition, um, and, and being able to, to see yourself doing something repeatedly is going to build that confidence. So in, in terms of, you know, our, our, my, my team's, you know, if I feel a player, you know, maybe isn't looking to shoot the ball because, you know, that they lack confidence or, you know, they're, they're not looking to, to try something that we need need her to, you know, it, it's making sure she has the ability to get repetitions to see herself c- completing whatever we're asking her to do. And that that's going to build the confidence. Um, but in general, from from Titans players wanting to go on to play in the college level, the biggest thing is just being realistic with them. And, you know, not, not sugarcoating what we, what their weaknesses are and not overblowing what their strengths are. It's having an honest conversation and, and every player who plays at the college level has weaknesses, but it's being able to know what your weaknesses are and be, being able to A, work on them and, and improve, but also to find areas that, that are your strengths and, and push yourself there. And I think that that's why we've been successful with, with having so many of our girls end up playing at the college level. And, you know, and, and some of them are, are, aren't seeing the floor, but they're able to make the college team um, because of, of, of those things. They have the, the confidence in, in what strength they have, uh, and, and they're, they're able to be a great addition in, in the gym. They're, they're able to be a great addition in practice. Yeah, oh, thank you so much for sharing that. That was, that's great stuff to allow these kids to know that there, there's there's different ways to have an impact on the game. You know, so we're we're so uh, running up on the on the ep- we're running yeah, up on, ahead, on the time here. So we're we're going to ask them some traditional questions. We close up the pod with. Uh, so let's start with uh, Melissa. Melissa, what are some go to places for you and Mick when you're going to order out and get some good buffalo food? Well, that's one thing we really miss living in Rochester um, is we miss the Buffalo food. But hands down, the best place in Buffalo is Danny's. Okay. 
Where is that, Melissa? There, there's two locations, but the one right by the Bill Stadium um, is by far the best. Okay. Right. Is, is, it, is it safe to assume that you're both from Buffalo, you're Bills fans? Yes. Of course. <laughs> okay, because we talk, we have guests on all the time. We've had Patriots fans on, Steelers fans, and so we get a little bit of everything on this yeah. podcast. So when you're ordering out from Danny's or anywhere else, um, are chicken wings a thing that you guys partake in? Do we eat the wings? I, I will. Um, Melissa, not so much. <laughs> that's And that's okay. That's okay. So, Mick, we typically ask our guests, if you were to eat them, are you a, a, a drums guy or a flats guy? I was ready ready for this question. I've heard you guys a few times. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> um, I would go with the drums. A little bit, a little bit more convenient to handle. Yeah. Drums are on a roll now. Drums are on a roll the last couple of times yeah. we've done this. <laughs> and obviously, straight. and Buffalo people, so I'm assuming blue cheese, not ranch. Uh, neither, really. I'm usually neither. barbecue. Neither. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Okay. Yeah, I can see how that would work. Coach, anything else? So, yeah, I just I want to ask Melissa, if if you are up by three, the other team has the ball, um, clock is winding down. I am not fouling. You're not I fouling. Am not, I am trusting. I am trusting my players um, because the 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 last thing I I want um, is to send them to the free throw line and give up an offensive rebound. Um, as much as you know, maybe maybe that's less likely to happen than their best shooter getting a three off. Uh, I I think that's some of the most devastating. Um, or one of the, one of the worst feelings as a coach is giving up an offensive rebound on a free throw. So mm. no, we're going to play that possession out and we're not going to foul them and, and we're going to get the rebound and finish the game. And don't All you right. think that that's kind of like a statistical thing based on level? Because we hear so much about following up three and at the NBA level, I get that those guys in an open gym, you know, yeah, when nobody guarding them, is, they, they make more than they miss, but at the division three level and even at coach and I at our level in high school, like those kids are very rarely going to make a pressure three. Right. So I think, I feel like coach clump, we ask that all the time, but I think that's got to be a, a, mm-hmm. a age and experience question as well. Like with the, depending on your level, I would think, but that's such a good one. You always, you do, you always ask that one. We're gonna. I'm gonna remember that the next time we're playing each other, and we're. I'm up three. I'm gonna remember to not follow you. So hey, guys, listen. We appreciate you coming on. Um, we and getting to get a little bit of insight behind St. John Fisher hoops and Buffalo Titans. We appreciate you guys. Well, well, thank you for doing this. This has made a lot of our drives to Buffalo enjoyable. Listening to you guys talk to other coaches, coaches who we know um, and coaches who we don't. Um, it, it's been it's been really cool to hear. Um, and I'm looking forward to hearing more. All right. Great awesome. news. Yes. Thanks, guys. We've been waiting for our turn. It was fun. All right. Anytime, man. <laughs> you know Thanks what? for coming and, on. And I say this because I know I'm coaching with you guys for the Titans. And I, then the other week, I was just like, why have I not had Nick and Melissa on? They, they probably <laughs> yeah. think I'm so rude. I'm coaching with these guys every week. So I appreciate not you guys jumping on. I know on. you got Thank a lot you. of friends and a lot of connections. Yeah. So oh, we, yeah. We, have to be we don't know about that. You know what we found is just having cool conversations like this. Um, has actually been something that Eric and I doing this kind of stepping outside of our comfort zone has just been really cool. We've talked to some cool people. I don't know if we have a lot of connections. Social media has helped with that a lot. People have come on that we don't really even know at all. So just like you guys, the the willingness to share uh, your journey and share your knowledge and, you know, is just, it's pretty cool for people to do. So again, we appreciate it.
Yes, our first husband-wife combo on. That's it good. is. Yeah. It is. All, All right, right, guys. Well, thank you so much. You guys uh, take care of that little one, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank Have you. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit MyPodcastManager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to the Beyond the Ball podcast with Coach Eric Klump and Coach Justin Gersten. 